Welcome to An Economist Goes to College, a podcast about the economics of picking and paying for college. My name is Jason Delisle, and I'm a senior policy fellow in the Center on Education, Data, and Policy at the Urban Institute. And I'll be filling in for your usual host, Beth Akers, who is due to give birth and was unable to make today's recording. So we wish Beth well, and we are eagerly awaiting pictures. So today I have Amy Lightman on the show. Amy is the Director for Higher Education with the Education Policy Program at New America and is a former colleague of mine. Her work focuses on federal policies to increase quality, transparency, and equity in higher education, as well as the politics of higher education reform, which we'll be talking about today a little bit. She has previously been a Senior Policy Advisor on higher education in both the Department of Education and the White House. Amy is a fixture in the higher education policy community and has a wealth of knowledge that makes her invaluable to discussions like this one. Amy, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. So today we wanted to talk a little bit about what what I sort of call a um, a paradigm shift in uh, in higher education policy, but also in how people can choose colleges and judge them. And it's a sort of paradigm shift that um, maybe many people don't don't fully appreciate. Uh, and it's that we can now know uh, what people earn after they go to a particular college. Um, and now people say, well, we've always known that that how much people earn after they go get a college degree. But this is different, right? This this world that we're now in, and and your, I mean, so describe like what the sort of granularity of this of this data is that we now have, and why it's important. Yeah, so I think you're right. I think it this conversation is a little surprising to people because they're like, of course we know, we know all of these things. We have so much information about everything, right? Like we have all the information about colleges. You can go online and find listicles about, you know, the hottest co-eds and the schools with the, you know, the best cafeteria food and like the most sort of obscure niche things. But we haven't actually been able to answer some of the most critical questions about one of the most important and expensive decisions that students will make in their lifetime, which is where to go to college, what to study, you know, how much debt to take on. And so while we do have sort of these big picture answers, like, is college worth it? Yes, on average, college is worth it. But the real question is which college, which program, at which price point for which students? And we haven't actually had the information to answer that question right now. And we don't fully have the answers yet, but we're getting closer and we can talk about that later. So, 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 so let me, so let me just sort of jump in here. Okay. So a big part of this new information that is now suddenly available is, is what people go on to earn after leaving a particular college, not just a bachelor's degree in engineering, but a bachelor's degree in engineering at that particular college, at exactly. a particular college. Exactly right. So, so wh- why is this? <laughs> why is this new? I mean, it, what? What? Why didn't we have this before? And and sort of describe like why is it suddenly become available, and where and where is it now available? So that's a whole lot of questions in one, and I'll try to answer some of it. So some of it has been political, some of it has been technological, 
And, you know, we're in a situation right now, I'll deal with the technology first, which it's, it's never been easier to collect and store and share data securely and safely than it is right now. So that's one piece. But there also, there hasn't really been, the, well, that is an important piece, but there also hasn't been the push in the same way that there has been more recently. And some of that is because I think the stakes of higher education um, are becoming more clear to people, right? So the, the student debt narrative is a really big one, right? And people are really worried about how much debt students are taking on and is college worth it? And there's a lot of questions about that. And people want to know, like, is, is this going to be a good return on my investment? And so we see a lot of policymakers in particular, state-level policymakers, institutional policymakers, federal policymakers wanting to answer this question, but sort of thwarted because in the past, the earnings data haven't been available or good quality earnings data haven't been available. So in the past, to try to get at this question of, is college paying off? We've used other proxies, um, either we've used... For earnings data, we've used, and we can talk in detail about this, if you like, just different forms of earnings data that aren't very good quality, or we've used other data points like job placement rates, but we haven't actually had good earnings data now. And now we do. Now we can access, and by we, I mean the federal government, not me. I am not the federal government. But the federal government has a lot of data on what people earn. If you pay your taxes... You, the federal government has your earnings information. If you don't, that's a different issue. That's above my pay grade. We can't deal with like tax cheats and tax frauds in this. But for the most part, people pay their taxes. And so the federal government has a really good handle on how much people earn. Okay, great. So the federal government collecting this information on what people earn after going to a particular college and, and, making, it, and making it available. Um, and and just to sort of, if I have this right, and the issue is essentially that your sense is that the government or policymakers have kind of wanted this information for a long time, actually, and and now now it's available. And I wonder if you might talk a little bit about you know some of the the things the 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 impetus for for wanting this information um because it's you know like as you point out it's not necessarily a, a new um the the value of it isn't isn't necessarily new although it seems to have changed a little bit because college is more expensive and more people are going but but i think it's valuable for folks to understand just you know that this is this has been a a desire for a while absolutely i mean i think about you know, there were probably examples before then, but I think there was a real change when, um, you know, in the 1940s, when folks were coming back from the war and we saw the first GI Bill. Right. And there were there was a huge federal interest in helping veterans come back and integrate into civilian life and have good middle class jobs. Right. And get good jobs and be able to, you know, to get education that would enable them to enter the workforce and have a good sort of middle class civilian life. And there weren't great earnings data that could be connected at the time, like. I guess I don't know enough to know sort of what the data sharing capabilities were between uh, the Veterans Affairs Department and uh, and um, Social Security or IRS at the time. But 
they weren't there. That information wasn't going back and forth. And so what ended up happening is that you had this huge influx of federal dollars to try to support these veterans with no real outcomes attached to it. Right. So you're saying that you have you have students uh, using their government benefits, their GI benefits, GI Bill. Um, but there's there's no real sense of what what people are getting and what kinds of institutions they they should go to or what programs will will, will pay off because we don't have earnings data. So we didn't have earnings data. And so in some ways it was um there is an expression uh, called train and pray, which is the idea that we are training and praying in the P-R-A-Y sense, like praying that it will work out, but also P-R-E-Y and that those dollars became um, real magnets for fraudsters who wanted to prey on veterans and take their dollars and offer them education programs that really led to nothing. And so because there weren't um, there weren't really requirements that there be good outcomes and there wasn't the data to basically say, are there good outcomes? You basically had this series of scandals after sort of every decade, really, of successive increased federal investment to try to help people get better jobs through education. We just saw fly-by-night fraudsters who would sort of set up shop and be like, oh, hey, come to this program and take a correspondence course in skydiving. Like, I'm not making that up. That's actually a thing that happened. And there were huge congressional hearings about this over and over and over. And so Congress kept trying to tighten things, but they had these really bad proxies. They didn't actually have good, like, earnings information to sort of say, like, are people earning a, like, a living wage? So they used proxies and proxies, you say a little bit more about that. So, so the, to, to try to determine what's a good school and, and what kind of school should receive these federal dollars, like like student loans and 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 grants. So one of the things that uh, has been used over the decades has been job placement rates, which is the idea of how many of your graduates get jobs and how many of them get jobs quickly. And that sounds great, right? Like the whole point is to get people jobs, although comma people are supposed to be getting good jobs, which is why we get to earnings later. But let's stick with jobs for a minute. That sounds like a really good thing to do. But the problem is with no real standardization around what's a good job, what is a job, what qualifies as a job, you ended up seeing um, a lot of self-reported data that was poor quality. You saw some gaming where schools would hire their graduates for jobs that lasted only a couple of days so that they could say that their students were employed for the purposes of counting them as having you know, gotten placed in a job. So you've seen a lot of over the years, a lot of gaming of these metrics where, you know, it the job placement doesn't actually tell you if it's a good job, a meaningful job, if it actually leads to self-sustaining wages, if it lasts more than a couple of days, if it's, you know, if somebody's in a healthcare field and and the idea was that they were training to be a nurse or, or a medical assistant and they're ending up being a janitor in a in a um, hospital, is that a job placement? <laughs> like so, so the so the so policymakers have sort of toyed with this idea of using job placement to determine whether or not the schools are are acceptable or or fraudulent or of low quality. But what you're you're saying is that job placement, it, although intuitively seems like the thing you would want to measure, you kind of can't. Yep, I think that's right, and it. 
again, it sounds great, but it's so easily gameable. And at the end of the day, well, at least to me, and I think to a lot of policymakers, there's this real hope, especially within higher education, is that higher education will lead to sort of middle class um, jobs and will and and that's an economic indicator and that's an earnings indicator. Right. So uh, now we actually can use actual earnings data. And there's a there's also leading up to this point, we can talk about that. There's been some less than ideal ways of looking at earnings data, right? Like not the sort of gold standard. I mean, the gold standard is, you know, federal government that, you know, if you pay your taxes, they know how much money you make. And we can now access that um, to an extent. But we haven't been able to in the past and we can't fully right now, but we're getting closer. So, okay, so let's stay on this. This this is a good theme of, you know, policymakers wanting to measure, but now we know that job placement is just uh, too difficult and unworkable. And it seems seems like folks have largely largely given up on on that as as a as the ideal approach. But but what about, you know, I'm sure people are wondering, well, what about uh, graduation rates? And it uh, you know, haven't we used why not use that? Well, so graduation rates, I think, are important. I don't want to under I don't want to undermine the idea that graduation rates don't matter because they do. And in some ways, Congress in 1991, they passed a Congressional Student Right to Know Act, which basically was the first time that the federal government was tying some of these federal dollars to requiring schools to report on graduation rates. And so it's really important, right? We want to know not just are students getting in, but are they completing? But it's also not enough to know like if they're completing because what if they're completing and they're all like most of the students from that program are stuck in poverty level jobs like that that to me seems very problematic and what if they're taking on a lot of debt for a career oriented program that is supposed to help them uh in their sort of earnings life and in their you know, social or economic mobility, and they end up sort of stuck in poverty level jobs. So graduation rates are important, but it's not, it's not enough. And I think, I think people have been recognizing that there's also, there's a bigger payoff question that, that also matters. Right. Okay. So, so this is great. So, and I just want to pause right here and and let folks know that, that um, many of the themes we're talking about and, and the, the history that Amy is going over should be published by now in a paper, a collection of, of papers that I've edited and published through the American Enterprise Institute called Student Outcomes and Earnings in Higher Education Policy. So if you want to hear more or read more about what, what Amy is, is going into, that is definitely the place to go. So continuing here, so looking for a way to hold colleges accountable and make sure students are getting a good deal, um, job placement, not great, graduation is... A, a good metric, but suffers also from problems. And so we ultimately end up in measuring earnings. So this is this paradigm shift I talked about at the beginning. So when does that start to happen and and what makes it possible? I would say that probably the biggest shift really happened uh, when President Obama took office and his administration started a whole regulatory agenda where they were basically trying to address some of these questions of value, particularly for programs that are very specifically career oriented. So to get a little bit in the weeds here, there is, we're going to go back to 1972 when Congress authorized a law that basically required that programs at for-profit colleges 
they could only get federal financial aid, and that's things like Pell Grants and student loans, that they could get dollars uh, for those programs if they offered students what was called gainful employment in a recognized occupation. And so Congress put these requirements around these for-profit colleges that their their programs had to meet this gainful employment standard and also required that for nonprofit and public colleges that had like for their non-degree programs. So basically they're very career-oriented programs, certificate programs, programs that are very much oriented towards like you want a job, we got training for you so you can get a job, a good job, right? The implied, if not stated, and but is often stated that you're going to get a good job. So that sat on the books from 1972 on without really being defined. Congress just said it's gainful employment. What does gainful employment mean? Nobody really knew and sort of things went along. So the Obama administration started to... Um, they basically said, we want to regulate on this. We want to define what gainful employment means. And they did that through regulation. And that regulation has been all over the board, up, down, and around the, the bend. And somebody who wants to read about that can read about it online. I'm not going to go into all the detail about the ups and downs. But what is important for this conversation is that earnings were an important part of what the Obama administration came, with, came up with. So they basically said, in order for you to sort of provide gainful employment in a recognized occupation, uh, student debt should be no more than X percentage of um, how much they make, how much a student makes when they graduate. Um, and it's it's based on averages. It's not just one individual student. It's sort of the average graduates of their program. And so in order to do that, the administration actually had to have good data, right? <laughs> they couldn't be like, here, we have this whole thing where we are, we are basically saying to colleges, if you do not have good outcomes on this metric, you will lose the ability to have to offer financial aid to your students, which is a death knell to institutions, right? Most institutions, if they lost Pell Grants and student loans, they'd have to close their, their doors like tomorrow. And so it was really important for, for schools to be able to, um, for, the, for the department to get it right and to have good information. And so with that, the Department of Education partnered with the Social Security Administration to get actual earnings data from actual students who went to actual gainful employment programs. Okay, so this is the first time it's under the Obama administration that we have the federal government actually collecting what information on what people earn that go, who go to a particular college. Yes. Technically not collecting new information because that information is already collected. You know, Social Security already has that information, but connecting it with existing student data, like students who are enrolled in these programs to answer the question, like, are they able to earn enough money to comfortably pay down their debts after these programs? Okay, and so then this this paves the way for like the college scorecard, which is another initiative of the Obama administration where the earnings are made publicly available as well. Correct. Having good quality data allows a lot of different transparency efforts that the Obama administration started, the DeVos-Trump administration uh, maintained, and I believe the Biden administration is interested in maintaining as well. Okay. So, so, um, so that now, okay, so, so we have, so I have this earnings data, but do we, so is that, so I, so now students um, can actually 
So we, have, so we have sort of like two different strands here, right? I want maybe to get you to talk about this. One is the government using earnings information to regulate, essentially say who can, which colleges can take government money, grants and loans. But another strand here is, is what we've also talked about without really distinguishing it is, you know, students making choices. Uh, and so I just want to get, you know, is it is it both uh, goals always, or are they different? Um, you know, they seem to be sort of they kind of uh, bleed together. So they do sort of bleed together, but they are also different. So I think you can have sort of simultaneously from a policy perspective, you can say we want to have the best information out there in the world so that students, their families, their counselors, anyone who's giving them guidance, um, third party developers who are trying to create good websites where people can navigate uh, different information so that they can make decisions. You want that information to be as good as possible, right? So you can absolutely believe in transparency in and of itself to help people make informed decisions. That transparency can also help policymakers. It can help uh, institutional leaders, right? It um, I think in terms of the earnings data, one thing that I think is really important too is that a lot of institutional leaders want earnings information because you mean, they when you say and when you say institutional leaders like like colleges and universities oh, and people working there, they, yes. they want they want this information. So that's actually that's actually an interesting point because I think some people would assume that the colleges have that information. Don't don't colleges know what their students graduates go on to earn? It's such a good question. And I think, again, this is an example where people think we have this information, but we don't. I, a lot of colleges want this information and spend a lot of money trying to get it in a really um, clunky and expensive and not really very reliable way. So uh, an individual college president isn't going to be able to tap into the Social Security Administration and find out how how much everybody in their programs made. Right. Like that would be a huge problem. Uh, we'd have a lot of issues that. Um, yeah, we'd have a lot of issues in congressional hearings if that were happening. But so in order for them to get that information, then what they end up doing is they send out surveys to their to their graduates and they say, hey, how are you doing? Nice to hear from you. Or we'd love to hear from you. How much money do you make? So very few students respond to those surveys. Uh, there's some selection bias and the students who do respond are probably more likely to be more successful and say that they're doing well. So the data is really unreliable. And so but college presidents and their boards know that some of the number like some of the top reasons that students are going to college is so that they can have better jobs. And a lot of reasons, traditional aged parents of traditional aged students want to know, like, is my kid going to earn enough money to like have a good life? So college presidents are feeling the pressure around this question, but they can't actually answer it, which is why a lot of them are looking to the government to say, you have this information, please help us out. You know, send us a lifeline here. Tell us how our students are doing. And just to keep on that thread for a second, I think there are there are going to be people who say, why is this something for the federal government to do? This feels intrusive for the federal government to go in and look at what people who went to a particular college earn um, and then publish that information. And some people will say, and even lawmakers on Capitol Hill will say that there's actually this is violating people's privacy. 
And I've heard many of those things. I just want to give you a chance to sort of respond to them here. Yeah, sure. So first of all, the the federal government already has the information, right? So it's not like it's collecting all this new information. Social Security Administration, IRS, they know how much money you make. Also, if you have paid tuition at a college, um, you're eligible for a federal government tax credit. And in order to get that tax credit, like the federal government has to know uh, that you went to a particular college. So they're all they have already connected individual students with um um, with data from uh, from a bunch of different government sources. Um, I think to your point about, you know, it feels intrusive, like why does the government have to do it? Well, the government's the only one who has the best data, right? So colleges try to do it in all these other ways. States have been trying to get information data, but the only entity that has this whole complete picture of, you know, who is earning what in this country is the federal government. And so in some ways, like you have all this bureaucracy, like you have all of these folks who are trying to figure out these answers to questions and the data are just sitting there. Right. So this is this is an area in which the federal government could actually help. But for laws that for reasons that we may get into later, actually hasn't been able to uh, that data source hasn't been able to be tapped in the way that um, I think it should to help answer these really important questions. Is there is there a privacy concern to people that say, oh, there's, you know, we need to protect people's privacy? Is there, in, in the kinds of data that we see now being published by the federal government on sites like the College Scorecard, this kinds of earnings data? No. Uh, I mean, I would say no, because and this is going to get like in the weeds a little bit. But basically, the Social Security Administration or the IRS, they already have like super granular level detail. Like they know how much Amy Lennon made this year. They know how much I made last year. They know. I mean, they send me a statement every year telling me how much money I made. Right. They they charge they charge me taxes every year. But when. Um, let's say the Social Security Administration shares information back to the Department of Education. They don't share my particular information. They don't share Amy Lightman's individual earnings. What they will share is a whole group of students. So the Department of Education will say, hey, Social Security Administration, we would like to know the average earnings for the graduating class of 2015 from, you know, this college uh, in this program, how much how much did students make on average? Social Security Administration, which already has the information, will you know, like average it together, do their little numbers, and they will spit out to the Department of Education an average number that has no personally identifiable information. Nobody could ever know how much I made, you made, anyone on this podcast listening to how much they made. But now the Department of Education has a number that they can put on a website for prospective students to look at to say, ah, oh, the average is sort of one year earnings, you know, one year after graduation earnings was $32,000. Five years after graduation was $48,000. And so they can have, it's sort of the best of both worlds, right? You get the best of like the, you, you get to use that um, individual data, but the Department of Education never has it. So it never gets that. So there's not a private, there's not an increased risk to, right. Um, there's there's no right, right. So there's no there's no information about an individual. The Department of Education is is only receiving averages and and that's right. what they're publishing. Yeah, exactly. that that's that's really helpful. Um, so uh, maybe we talk about really quickly here. So um, 
does the does this data cover everybody? Um, you know, when I look, when I go to the college scorecard website, um, and I and this this data on how much you know people earn who went to a particular college, is that accurate? It isn't accurate. So for all of like, I know I've just been saying, oh, the earnings information at Social Security Administration is perfect and wonderful and covers everybody. That's true. But the information that's on the college scorecard isn't all of that. And okay, so now you're going to walk all this back. I'm going to walk it all back. So I'm sorry. I've led you all here and it isn't quite there yet because what's on the college scorecard only includes students who receive um, student who receive federal financial aid. So only students who receive Pell grants and loans. It doesn't include students who, for example, get GI Bill benefits, who get very generous benefits from the federal government. It doesn't include students who don't have to take out loans or don't take out Pell grants. And um, I'll give you an example where, uh, just to give you a sense of how unrepresentative the data can be. So in California, for example, California as a state has made a decision to invest very heavily in their community colleges. So they spend a lot of money to subsidize their students. And what that means is a lot of California community college students don't actually take Pell Grants or don't take loans, right? Because they get a lot of state financial aid. So, and when I say a lot of them don't take federal aid, only one out of four students takes federal financial aid, which means only 25% of California community college students, which is millions of students, are represented in the college scorecard. So you're missing three quarters of students. Okay, so that's a big deal. So you're missing three quarters of the students at a, probably at most California community colleges because they don't take federal student aid. Yep. and And it's the taking of federal student aid that suddenly opens the door for the federal government to essentially have this interest in your in, in data about you. And that's what they can make available on the college scorecard. Yes. And that sounds crazy. If that sounds crazy, it's because it is. And it's because there was a law that was put in place in 2008 that basically said the Department of Education cannot connect with other federal agencies, you know, to sort of share any of these data, except for around students who get this very narrow set of federal dollars. So other students are getting federal tax credits who aren't getting Pell Grants or loans. Other students are getting federal GI Bill benefits who aren't getting Pell Grants or loans, but none of them are captured in uh, the official um, in these official uh, websites and data because the law is written in such a narrow way that they cannot. So technically they can, but legally they cannot connect these data. Okay, so on the one hand, so we have sort of like it's the best data source on, on what, <laughs> what, what, what people may earn, and it comes right from the federal government. It comes from people's tax returns, so it's really reliable. And then you have this sort of big caveat uh, that it doesn't include anybody who doesn't receive federal student aid loans or grants. And 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 so I know you've done you've done lo- lots of work on on trying to change this. Um, and, 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 you know, I, I, that's, that's a, a super interesting sort of um, line of work, but, but in the interest of time, I wanted to sort of like ask you more, more broadly about the sort of um, 
you know, it seems we have this this data is accessible now, at least the, for for students who receive federal aid, um, and and yet really all it's sort of done is just kind of sits on a consumer facing website. There's no, you know, a skeptic might say, well, why, why isn't Congress doing something with that, this new information by um, restricting access to uh, student aid at colleges where earnings are really low. Um, Right. Because it it sort of seems like it's really just a kind of semi slick looking website at this point. Is that, is that really it? That's really it. I think I think there is a consumer facing piece, which I think is important. I also think there has been an accountability piece for these very career oriented uh, programs. Um, and again, that's gone back and forth. But the Biden administration is re-regulating on that right now. So I am pretty confident that we are going to see this uh, gainful employment regulation, uh, which is tied, has been tied to debt and earnings, reinstated in some way. But Congress wrote that law in a very narrow sense. So to your point, uh, it doesn't apply to all programs. It doesn't apply to every college. It applies It applies to this very narrow set of career-oriented programs. So Congress could, could change the law. It's tricky. It's tricky. And, and, and by change it, you mean expand, expand these kinds of earnings tests to more colleges and more kinds of programs. Yes, they absolutely could do that, but it's politically tricky because uh, there are a lot of colleges that may not want that information out there or the information can be out there in the world, but they may not want to be held accountable for that. And it is um, in some cases, folks would argue it's a harder case to make for a program that isn't specifically uh, oriented around careers. I think there's there can be some honest disagreement about whether or not that makes sense or not. But let's also be clear that Congress hasn't been making a lot of laws lately anyway. <laughs> but, <laughs> All right. Well, fair enough. Um, but, you know, I mean, we have seen you know, the, the, but to our point earlier that this this data is now available um, and 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 more of it is becoming available all the time. And, and so um, it, it so but to your point, there's sort of this there's this larger political problem. It's not a data problem. It's not a data availability problem anymore. It, it, we could maybe have said that uh, 20 years ago. But now it seems to be a political problem about, well, do we want to do lawmakers want to uh, hold colleges accountable based on what people earn? And, and it seems like they can't quite figure out a compromise on what those details should look like. Is that fair? Yeah, I think that's right. And I think there are some who would say, you know, our job is to make sure that there's good information out there and let the market decide. I think we can we can sort of say that when you have a lot of federal dollars propping up a system, it's not really a free market. But that's I'm not a member of Congress, but I've heard that from many members of Congress, particularly on the right, say that accountability isn't something that the federal government should get involved in. It should really uh, it should be up to the student to vote with their feet. And then I think you have some folks on the left who will say, well, you know, there are uh, it's not fair to hold uh, schools accountable for um, if you have labor market discrimination for particular subgroups where their earnings are really low. And so there's just there's a it's a lot more complicated. But I think what what I I do feel good about, though, is that this conversation, when you started, you said there's a paradigm shift. I would say 
10 years ago, there wasn't broad consensus that we should even have this consumer facing information out there in the world. Like you sort of are putting it out there now as a, well, poo poo, we just have this stuff on a website. Who cares? Like it, it was a fight to get that out there. I mean, that was, that was a hard fought fight. And now there is wide bipartisan agreement that we should have that. I mean, there's, you know, I could talk about some particular legislation that would make that would basically count all students and make all of the data um, more available. And that has, I mean, in this Congress, in this political environment where nobody agrees on anything, there was like in the last Congress, 235 members of Congress were trying, were uh, supporting a bill that would allow us to count all students. You don't get that type of support for anything right now, bipartisan support that isn't a post office naming. So I think that's a huge sea change. So in and of itself, I think we need to sort of applaud that. And then the next step is like, what do you do with that? That's a great point to sort of start to wrap up on. But I do want to let you sort of finish your thought on like what like what should we be looking for? What 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 is going to come next here? You did a great job of describing the sort of the political kind of gridlock around doing more on regulating using this data. Um, but 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 what what's coming in the next next year or two here on on this particular issue? Either data availability or 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 accountability and rules around uh, what students earn after they go to a particular college. I mean, I think on the regulatory front, I, we see the Biden administration right now regulating on gainful employment. So I am confident that by November 1st of this year, we will see them put out uh, a final rule that will uh, look to hold uh, these gainful employment programs accountable. Um, and earnings will be a part of that in some measure, whether or not it's debt to earnings or debt to earnings and earnings. Um, I don't know. It's too early to tell, but I'm pretty confident that's going to happen. And then uh, I'm not sure if I'm confident about this, but I'm very hopeful that given the bipartisan support I talked about for this piece of legislation called the College Transparency Act, that that we could see Congress actually move to give us the more complete data that we've been talking about. So, you know, it's this gold standard that is possible, but that we've only been able to carve out bits and pieces of um, so that we can really paint a, a more holistic picture of how particular colleges and particular programs are serving particular students so that all of us can understand, you know, institutions can understand how to better serve particular students, students and their families and their counselors can help uh, make more informed decisions about where to go to where to go to college and what to pay and what to study. And the policymakers can ask some tough questions about, you know, what is it that they want to do and what they think um, are acceptable student outcomes and what aren't. Um, but we can't do that if we're flying blind. And we're we're not really flying blind right now, but we're, you know, we've got some like very dark glasses on. So we're better than we were, but you know, we need to free the data and see the world as it is. Oh, I think we got to leave it there. That's great. <laughs> uh, th this has been great. Uh, and, and and hopefully folks listening have, have, have gotten some new information out of this and, and better understand the, the current state of or earnings information for people choosing colleges. Uh, so thank you for listening to An Economist Goes to College. And many thanks to you, Amy, for joining me today. Thanks for having me. This has been fun. If you enjoyed the conversation and you want to learn more, please subscribe to the show and also check out my new book. It's called Making College Pay and is available right now on Amazon. Have any comments, questions, or topic suggestions for me? It would be great to hear from you. 
you can send me a note from my website, bethacres.com, and find me on Twitter at Dr. Beth Thanks for listening and talk to you soon.